الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السماء ذات البروج واليوم الموعود وشاهد ومشهود قتل أصحاب الأخدود النار ذات الوقود إذ هم عليها قعود وهم على ما يفعلون بالمؤمنين شهود وما نقموا منهم إلا إلا أن يؤمنوا بالله العزيز الحميد الذي له ملك السماوات والأرض والله على كل شيء شهيد وقال تعالى بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لاميم أحسب الناس أن يتركوا أن يقولوا آمنا وهم لا يفتنون وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عجبا لأمر أمر المؤمن إن أمره كله له خير إن أصابته سراء صبر فكان خيرا له إن أصابته سراء شكر فكان خيرا له وإن أصابته ضراء صبر فكان خيرا له أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين Respected ulama ikram, brothers, elders, friends Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at this very moment is putting the Muslim ummah through a great test and trial things like this have passed before and they will happen in the future also but it is the duty of each person to see how he conducts conducts himself in these affairs and matters. Allah says in the Quran, أَحَسِبَ النَّاسُ أَنْ يُتْرَكُوا أَنْ يَقُولُوا آمَنَّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ Do the people think that they will be left alone to say that we have believed and they will not be tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely test each and every person in his own way concerning himself. There will be a test in the life of a person. Allah says also, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَقْصٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَأَنفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ Allah will definitely test you. Sometime in your life there will be fear, hunger, loss of wealth, loss of life. Loss of property and business. And thereafter Allah says, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ Glad tidings to those who are patient. When any affliction comes to them, then they say, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Allah, we will return. This is from Allah also. And we are also returning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a believer will be definitely tested. And according to his closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the test will be more severe. That is why Rasulullah sallallahu wa mentioned, أَشَدُّ النَّاسِ بَلَاءَنَ الْأَنْبِيَاءَ ثُمَّ لَمْثَلْ فَالْأَمْثَلْ That those who had the greatest of tests were the Anbiya alayhi salatu The Nabis of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, apostles and messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they were the tested the most. And many of them gave their lives for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Zakariya alayhi salam, running away from his people, he went into the trunk of a tree. The people could not get him out so they sawed the tree in half with him. Yahya alayhi salatu wassalam was beheaded. Many anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam were killed by the Bani Israel also. Some narration mentioned, mentioned some, something to the effect that one day 70 of them were killed. So the anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam went to hard times. Nabi sallallahu is mentioning as though I am looking at a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I can see the picture. 
in front of me where his people are driving him out and they are pelting him and making him bleed but he has patience Nuh he gave his dawah to his people for how many years? how many years Allah gave him life of approximately a thousand years 950 years calling them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala day and night day and night his whole qissa is mentioned in detail in Quran Shari. despite this at the end of his life, only 80, roughly 80 people accepted his message. If you have to do some calculation, you'll come to know that every 100 years, roughly about 8-9 people accepted it. Just imagine, 100 years of dawah, 100 years of effort, 100 years of striving, turned the attention of the people away from dunya towards akhirah. And eventually, how many people? 9 people for 100 years. But still, he persisted. That is why he is amongst the ulul azmi min al-rusul. Those anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam with firm determination. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam regarding himself says, لَقَدْ أُذِيتُ فِي اللَّهِ I was made to fear and I was harmed for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at such a time when nobody was made to do this. Nabi sallallahu himself, the occasion of ta'if, he was pelted bleeding. So the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam faced the greatest difficulty in this world. Then those who are closest to them and closest to them. According to a person's status, according to a person's a'mal, his good actions, Allah is going to test him. So the Muslim ummah will be tested. This is something definite from the side of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But how do we conduct ourselves in these times of tests? That is the responsibility of each individual. Our brothers in Palestine are suffering. Many of them have been martyred and made shaheed. Many of them perhaps will be made shaheed also. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease their conditions. Many of them have lost their family members, children, wives. We cannot find them still under the rubble. There are so many injured, so many casualties. But what is our outlook in this situation? Hadith of Rasulullah mentions Ajaban li amri al-mu'min. Very strange is a matter of a believer. Inna amrahu kullahu lahu khayr. Every matter, every aspect of his life is a means of khair and goodness for him. Wa laysa thalika li ahadin illa lil-mu'min. And Rasulullah mentions this is for nobody else except a believer. That every matter of his, whether it is good or bad, brings him khair and goodness. In asabathu sarra'us. If good times come to him, he's experiencing ease. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is blessing him with favors upon favors. Then he makes shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is grateful. He thanks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the bottom of his heart, he makes shukr. Then this is good for him. And if some evil afflicts him, some difficulty comes over him, then he makes sabr. He is patient. He knows it's from the side of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasulullah said, this is good for him. So every matter of ours brings us good. Those people who have passed away, our thought and belief regarding them, is they are shuhada. They have earned the highest stages in Jannah already. And they are enjoying. And those who are in still in that place, in the problem, that is from the side of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every moment that they are passing through, Allah is rewarding them for that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a very beautiful qissa in Quran. Surah also explains in his ahadith regarding Surah Al-Buruj. Qutila ashabul ukhdud. Allah says the people of the trenches were killed. Nabi Sallallahu mentions the divides in Riyadh al-Salihin also. Is that there was a king in the previous times times of Bani Israel. And he had a sorcerer, a magician. This magician of his was about to die, pass away. He was an old man. And for some time he tried to get some apprentice, some people who will learn from him, but there was no one available to learn from him. So he approaches the king and he says that I am about to die, leave this world, I am very old. Look for me, I need a youngster, a person who is intelligent, full of vigor and youth, a trade of mine, sorcery, magic. I will teach it to him and he can continue it after my life. After I have left, he can continue. So the king and his men searched high and low and looked for a youngster 
would be able to fulfill this role and learn this trade from this person. After some time, they, they found a youth, a youngster. And this youngster now began going to this sahir and magician to learn the trade. Allah made it such that on the way, on one day he passes by what you would call a church or monastery, Ibadat Khana. At that time, the Christian religion probably was the religion which was the true, true, true deen of the time. So he passes by, he hears some humming or some tilawa of the Torah, of the Injil rather, coming from inside some, some type of ibadah and dua. So this attracts him. He enters the place, he comes to this pious man, man of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and now he wants to accept this deen. So he begins learning from this pious man also, the true deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But now he tells him that I'm a predicament, I'm in a problem. I have to go and learn by that person. And if I go late there, he's going to ask me where I'm coming from. And then if I go late home, they're going to ask me where I'm coming from. So the pious man says to him, when you go late to the sahib, to the magician, then tell them I got delayed at home. And when you go, go late to the, go late home, then tell them that sahib, the magician delayed. So in this way he continued. On the one hand, learning ilm of batil. On the one hand, learning ilm of deen. True deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This continued for some time. And there, after came a time in his life where he had to differentiate between the two now. Choose one of the two. On the way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes a beast from the jungle to come block the road, block the part of the people. So now the people are scared to move. There's an animal on the road. So this youngster comes up and now he speaks and converses to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Ya Allah, if the knowledge that you have given and that I am learning from that scholar of deen is the truth and more beloved to you than the knowledge that I am learning from the sorcerer, Ya Allah, then kill this animal. And he picks up a small pebble and he throws it at that animal. And after he throws it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it such that that animal dies. And now the people begin to move. But they have seen this incident. They have seen what he has done. So thereafter, a blind man comes to him. A blind person who was one of the ministers of the king. The king of that time was a kafir, disbeliever. So the minister of this king comes up to this youngster now. He has witnessed that what has happened. And he says, restore my eyesight. Give me back my sight. So the youngster says to him, that who am I? I cannot do nothing. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will restore the eyesight of a person. But yes, if you accept the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you become a Muslim, one who submits to the will and command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I will make dua and inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept, Allah will, 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 will restore your sight. So this minister becomes a believer, he accepts the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thereafter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it such, the youngster makes dua, his eyes are restored, his sight is restored. Now he comes back into the court of the king. The king sees this person can see now. So he asks him, how did you get your sight back? So the minister says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of the world has given me my sight. The king says, do you have a God besides me? I am going to punish you severely. Tell me, what is the incident behind your sight being restored? This man is punished by the king, tortured until he gives up the name of the youngster. This is a youngster who made dua and Allah gave me my sight. The youngster is summoned. During the training of this youngster by the scholar, the scholar says to him, the scholar had great foresight and he had understanding of deen. He told him, he told this youngster, a time will come in your life where you will be tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it will be a very severe and, and, and great test. When you are tested at that time, do not give my name. Lama mentioned that you may think that the scholar is a coward. He's afraid of the reality. They say no. In actual fact, he was a very brave man. He said this so that he can continue his teaching to the people in ease. Because if his name was given up, then he would not be able to teach the people the deen of Allah. So nonetheless, he told the youngster from before, that do not give my name up. So this youngster is summoned, brought before the king. The king says, leave this deen that you are upon, otherwise I am going to kill you. The youngster refuses. He is tortured until he gives up the name of the scholar. Who has taught you this? The name of the scholar is given up. The scholar is brought. So this minister together with the scholar in front of the youngster are being tortured. And they are told that if you do not leave the religion, you will be killed. The king brings them in shahr, a saw. And this minister is sawn in half. Similarly, with the scholar, he is sawn. The both of them give their life for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they do not give up their deen and religion. This shows that they were brave men. So nonetheless, now comes the turn of this youngster. So the king wants to make an example of him. Not just take his life, take his life and show the people 
that if you do not believe in me, you do not take me as the most superior, then you will be punished. So he says to his men, take hold of him and go to the highest mountain peak and throw him off. So the people take him, go to the highest mountain peak. And just before they could throw him off, the youngster makes a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma kfinihim bimashi. Wallah, you suffice me from there. You sort my problem out. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes that mountain tremble and shake a little bit. And these people all fall off, but the youngster left alone, he comes back to the king. The king is surprised. He gets some other people, take him to the depths of the ocean and throw him off. So they take him. Just before they are about to throw him off, he makes the same dua. Allahumma kfinihim bimashi. Oh Allah, you suffice me. Suffice, suffice them on my behalf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the boat rock, waves come. All of them are thrown off. And this youngster is left, he comes back to the Yaqsa he says to the king, Oh king, if you want to kill me, there's only one way of it. Gather all these people on a plane, a field. And once all of them are watching, then you take an arrow from my cover and you shoot. But before you sh- shoot, you say, Bismi Rabbi Hadal Ghulam. In the Rabb, in the name of the Lord of the Rabb, of this Ghulam, of this youngster. Then you shoot. If you do this, then you will be able to kill me. So this king thinks to himself, yeah, this is a very good opportunity. I can sort this problem out, cut it off from the root, get rid of this man. So he cannot cause any fitna in my kingdom. So the people of the entire area, all the followers, all the citizens are gathered. And the king takes the arrow, arrow of this youngster, takes his bow. And he says, Bismi Rabbi Hadal Ghulam. In the name of the Rabb of this Ghulam. And he fires. And it hits the youngster in the temple. And the youngster passes away. Now what the king was fearing that exactly happened. The king was fearing that this youngster will be a means of causing havoc in his kingdom. People accepting the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Turning away from him. This is exactly what happened. He gave his life up for this cause. Now all the people see that this man, the king, couldn't do anything to the youngster. He tried to kill him, throw, off the, throw him off the mountain. Nothing worked. Throw him into the ocean, nothing worked. The youngster came back. The only way he killed him was taking the name of the youngster's ilah, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then only was he able to kill him. So they all became Muslim. The entire crowd became Muslim. Now the king is in, he's in a fit of rage now. What should I do? All these people have accepted Islam. He gathers his soldiers and tells them, dig trenches, huge trenches, and build in fires in these trenches. Light up fires. And then begin throwing all these people who accepted this deen of that the youngster was following. Throw them all in. قُتِلَ أَصْحَابُ الْوَقْدُودِ النَّارِ ذَاتِ الْوَقُودِ إِذْهُمْ عَلَيْهَا قُعُودِ وَهُمْ عَلَى مَا يَفْعَلُونَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ شُهُودِ These soldiers were sitting on the side of, this, of these trenches and throwing the people inside. Telling them to jump in. وَمَا نَقَمُوا مِنْهُمْ إِلَّا أَنْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ الْعَزِيزِ الْحَمِيدِ The only reason they punished them is they believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-Aziz al-Hameed. Allah the most powerful, the most praiseworthy. This is the only reason they were being punished. There was no other reason. This is exactly what is happening in the land of Palestine at the moment. They are being punished for what? Because they are Musliman. Because they are Muslims and believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But as I told you, History repeats itself. This was done then, it will be done again now. It is happening now, it will be done probably in the future also. So, these people begin to jump in one by one. And eventually all of them are killed. And Nabi Wasallam mentions in this qissa, a woman comes, who also accepted the message. She is about to jump in. She is carrying an infant, a baby. Now it is from amongst, the, the, it is part of the love of a mother, built into her, that she has love for her child. It is not possible that a mother can take a child and throw the child out. Now this mother comes up, about to jump in, she's thinking to herself, that if I jump in, my child will die also. And then she hesitates. And this is one instance where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that the infant spoke in the infancy. And the child says to the mother, Oh my mother, jump in, you are on the truth. And she jumps in. How many people were killed here? Hasireen mentioned maybe about 30,000 people were killed. 30,000 people had to jump in and give their lives because of this one evil and cruel king. And the... And the story is, the story has ended there. Allah says after that, in the Rabbika Lashadi. When Allah sees us, it's very severe. Outwardly, you may think that the king was successful in this qissa, in the story. These people died. They accepted the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They all died. And the king remained. And he was successful and the believers were not successful. But 
according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is the opposite way around. These people were the real successful people. They gave their lives for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They earned shahada and martyrdom, and they earned their jannah. And the king, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will punish him definitely in the akhirah. And they may, maybe he was punished in this world also, we have not, we have no knowledge regarding that. So what I'm saying is that these situations come about. Each person has to think for himself, that how am I affected by it? We all should have this mindset that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is accepting those people for a very great purpose and noble purpose. And that is protection of the beloved land. They are gaining martyrdom and shahada. And we have to feel the pinch of it in this in, in South Africa here. Al-Mu'minuna ka rajulin wahidin. Rasul Allah mentioned, believers are like one man, one body. They just said in wahidin, another way it mentions. In ishtaka aynuhu ishtaka kullu. The eye is painting the whole body pains. In ishtaka ra'suhu ishtaka kullu. The head is painting the whole body pains. So how, what can we do in this time? To help the situation. What can we do to help the situation? Is change our lives. You may be thinking that how does this have an effect on this situation? If we change our lives, what is it going to do there? Alma gave a beautiful example. They say that a pond of water if you pour water from one side, what happens? The level of water throughout the pond increases. If there is some filth that goes in on one side, the entire pond becomes filthy because of the water coming from one side. So this, our reaction should be, is it is very likely that perhaps because of our sins, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is causing them to be punished. For them, it is a raising of their status. For them, it is shahada. For them, it is khair. But we have to look at ourselves. It is possibly because of me that I am. It is my sin and my evil that they are being punished. Many a time, the household members of a person are punished because of his evil. So that is why we have to correct our lives. When you will find in the conquest of Masjid al-Aqsa before by Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahimahullah, the same situation was there before. 88 years, the masjid was closed. There was not even one salah. In fact, it was even worse at that time. The Muslims were slotted in Baytul Maqdis itself. For years this continued. Eventually this leader came and liberated Masjid al-Aqsa. But look at the sifat and the qualities in this leader. One of the qualities of this leader was he never left out Salah wa Jama'at. It's mentioned regarding him. Salah wa Jama'at, he never left it out. If you look at today, the Muslim Ummah, what percentage of them are upon this basic command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Alhamdulillah, we are believers, we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one ilah, the only ilah, and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a messenger of Allah. Thereafter, what about the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If you look at the basic command of Salah, because we have failed in this, we see why we are in so much of problem. How many percentage, percent of the ummah is upon this basic, simple command of Allah, which is salah? He loved salah so much that it is said he never missed a salah with jama'ah. Towards the latter portion of his life, he became sick and ill. And thereafter, he missed some salah because of, because of the sickness and illness of his. He had love for Quran. He had love for ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He would let the Quran be recited and he would listen. He would wake up in the night in tahajjud. So the basic is we come back to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in whichever way we can, we help them. In our du'as, in our salah. Salah will bring a total change. Allah mentions in the Quran, You may think, what connection does salah have with help of the ummah? Allah himself is saying, Seek Allah's help. With sabr, patience and salah. When anything afflicted Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ila salah, he hastened towards salah. How much of salah is in our life? One basic command is salah with jama'ah. That is missing in the ummah. If you look at our masajid, mashallah, maybe on a Jummah day, alhamdulillah, Allah has given us tawfiq, we have come. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and not make it that we miss the Jummah salah also. But just as Jummah is fard with jama'at, Fajr, Zuhar, Asr, Maghrib, Isha also fard with jama'at. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one of his desires was that he wished to gather the Muslims of the locality, the youngsters of the locality, for what purpose? To gather firewood and burn the houses of those people performing the salah at home. Just imagine. Now each one of us should look in our own lives. Am I performing my salah with jama'ah or not? Am I coming to the masjid or not? Just before Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi passed away, at that time also, he was so ill that he had become unconscious on many occasions. But he was dragged into the masjid on the shoulders of two sahaba. 
to show the importance of salah until the stage where he could not make it at all. So think about it. Is it such that Rasulullah would, would have wanted to burn my house? Am I performing my salah at home? Why am I reading in the masjid? If we are not on salah in the masjid at all, then make an intention from today that we will come to the masjid. Maybe sometimes difficult we are working. Wherever we are working, perform our salah there in the masjid of that locality of that area. And when we are at home, come to the masjid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's assistance is with those people who perform their salah in the masjid. Allah's help is with them also. In fact, as mentioned, time is, does not permit. Allah's mercy comes on to Baytullah. And from Baytullah, it's distributed to all the masajid of the world. This masjid also gets a share of the rahmat and mercy coming upon Baytullah. If we are coming five times a day to the masjid, then we are drawing also from that mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, a person is at home, there are so many problems, how will we solve the problems of our house? How will we solve the problems of the entire world? Come to the masjid, beg and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The problem is coming from Allah, the problem will only be solved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu Imam Malik rahmatullah mentions, That the last portion of this ummah will never be correct, will never come will never uh, be at peace, at, at ease, except if they do what the first portion of the ummah did to solve their problem. That is, rujuwa ilallah, turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us, make it easy for the entire ummah, make it easy for our brothers and sisters in Palestine. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it such that we get a wake-up call for ourselves, and we come on to the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa akhru alhamdulillah. Brothers, inshallah, if you check this, can try and come forward also. In any majlis and gathering, we are sitting that we should try and fill in the gaps from the front first. Allah give us.